This is Issues 2022. I'm Steve McIntosh. Our guest is Denise Neal, Wichita Eagle reporter and author of book Classic Restaurants of Wichita. Welcome to Issues 2022, Denise. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. How long have you been, how long have you worked at the Eagle? Oh my gosh, I've been there since 1997, if you can believe it. Sometimes I can't believe it. Uh, It was my second job out of college, but yeah, uh, I'll be on 25 years. Well, what what was your first job, if I can ask? Well, my first job out of college uh, was as a reporter in Chattanooga, Tennessee, and I was there for about two and a half years covering education and higher education, and then I made my way back to Kansas somehow. So so going to say, where, where are you originally from then? Well, I grew up in Dodge City and went to KU, Rock Chalk Jayhawk. So, uh, yeah, that's how and then I made it back to Kansas eventually. All right. Well, I've got a copy. Yeah. I've got a copy of your new book, uh, which I consider a must read. I'm still reading it. Uh, I haven't put it down just yet. I'm almost through it. But uh, it's a, I think it's a must well, read, especially you. for folks who grew up <laughs> and maybe dined out often in Wichita. What motivated you to write this book, Denise? Well, uh, you know, I've been writing about restaurants since uh, I, I got the restaurant beat in the year 2000 at the Eagle and uh, started doing that then. And over the years, I would occasionally write stories about um, asking readers, you know, if you could bring any restaurant back to life just for one day, what would it be? Because I found that interesting. You know, my restaurant knowledge only goes back 25 years. But uh, as I got this beat, of course, I learned that uh Obviously, it went back way farther than than my association with Wichita, and I would always hear people talk about these great restaurants that they missed. You know, my coworkers would tell me about them, my readers would write me about them. And so when I would do those stories, they would be incredibly popular when I'd ask people to nominate the restaurants they most missed. I mean, I would just get inundated with emails and phone calls and letters of people going on and on about their favorite restaurants from days gone by, like Albert's and Portobello Road and uh, Lazy R and places like that. So um, about two years ago, this publisher called Arcadia Press, they're um, based out of South Carolina, and they do these history books. They've done, uh, they do them all over the country and tap local authors to write them. They asked me if I'd write this book about um, what restaurants kind of made Wichita dining scene, what it, what it is. And I thought, well, I definitely feel qualified to speak on that topic after all my years of doing this. And so I said, heck yes, I'd love to try that. And off I went. Now, uh, was the research difficult? There are quite a few stories in here. How, how did you do the research? Well, the research was kind of difficult. Um, not terribly difficult. It, it's really funny. I, I kind of started um, by sort of polling people on a couple of local history Facebook pages about which restaurants I should include in this book if I wrote a book about this topic. And there's these two Facebook groups called, one's called Wichita History from My Perspective, and one's called If You Grew Up in Wichita, Kansas, Then You Remember, dot, dot, dot. So you can request to be a member of either of those. And I would say probably about 80% of what they discuss in those topics, in those forums is restaurants they miss. So I pulled those people and, and got my kind of initial list together based with the knowledge I already had from the stories I've written in the past. And then I went to the Eagles archives with a headlamp and started digging out our old folders uh, back in the, you know, 60s and 70s. Uh, the librarians at the Eagle would clip out all the articles and put them in little manila folders and then put them in this massive file cabinet. And those were our archives until 86 when they became digital. 
But I, I went and dug through those archives forever and would just go through those old clippings and kind of gather stories. Uh, I also found an incredible resource in the um, website newspapers.com, which has all of the Wichita Eagle Beacon ever written in its archive. Uh, and, you, and it's searchable. And it's really an amazing thing. Of course, uh, they didn't get it all up uh, and posted until I was done with my book. So I <laughs> I had to go back and do some research. But, but the other thing I did that, that was the most valuable was I used my reporter skills to track down the surviving relatives and in some cases, the surviving owners of these places and talk to them and ask them for memories and ask them for photos. And that was the best. Those were the best ones when I could actually reach the people, you know, and, and get the archi- get the uh, information and, and get the actual archival stuff that they had in their basement. Um, so it, it was time consuming, but also for me, very fun because I love this topic. What was that uh, website? Newspapers? What? It's called newspapers.com, and it's basically a resource that digitizes newspapers from the past. You know, until recently, they've been, you know, there's some are on microfilm in the libraries or in clip files in our basements, uh, newspaper basement archives. But this website, which you do have to pay to be a member of, uh, although I I consider it worth every penny. And there are are some... um, levels of free membership you can get through the Kansas Historical Society if you just go and sign up on their website. But um, you can search anything. And and not all markets are completely uploaded. Sure. The bigger cities are. The smaller ones, not so much. But Wichita, as of last year, is completely everything is there, and it's amazing. We want to highlight a few better-known restaurants in Wichita. As we have time, they each have a unique story. But Share with us, if you will, a general comment on dining out in Wichita and what impact the pandemic has had. Okay. Well, uh, you know, it's the pandemic has been hard on restaurants. It's been hard on everybody, but it's been really hard on, on restaurants. Um, and it's just one thing after the other. You know, I don't think any of them anticipated a day where they'd have to close down and go to, to carry out only. You know, nobody could have envisioned that scenario happening. So uh, they had to find ways to adapt to that. Um, some of them, you know, closed down entirely. Some of them carried on with, with carryout. Uh, then, they, then they had to respond to kind of the, the big boom in interest when they were able to reopen and return. And, and now they're struggling with the, the fallout from COVID and the employment situation. The biggest thing they're all facing now is that they can't find employees to work and to stay and to stick around and you know that is the biggest issue they're facing now but um you know they're all just kind of struggling to get by we've lost quite a few um it's the pandemic was good for some places the type of places that already focused on drive-through and carry-out type situations uh you know had bigger business during covid but you know it's, it's just they're adjusting to a whole new reality and i think we'll look back and see this as a time when uh, the way we ate out kind of changed a little bit in history. Oh, you know? oh, yeah, yeah. Hey, you begin your profiles with the Innis Tea Room. I don't remember that I was ever in the Innis Tea Room, but uh, ever going there. But my wife tells me it was her first job. She was a waitress there in the 1960s as a young teenager. The Innis Tea Room. Tell us wow. About Tell us about that. Is so cool. The Innis Tea Room is a place I always heard about, especially from my friend Bonnie Bean, because her mom took her there when she was little. It was downtown on the uh, sixth floor of the Innis building, which 
uh, is now uh, the building they're turning into the medical school down there. Uh, I think it's Broadway and or it's at William and Market, I think. Oh, uh, my brain is, is aching right now. But you know where the Innis building is, <laughs> right across from the old Harry's department store. And uh, people would go shopping. I mean, all the shopping back then was done downtown and we didn't have the malls. And they'd go to the Innis department store, which is a multi-level department store. And, and then on the top floor, after a day of shopping or, you know, if you wanted to impress your friends, you would go up to this elegant tea room and have uh, dinner or luncheon. And the women would wear white gloves. And it was all very proper and pretty. And uh, there was a separate men's grill um, where men only men could hang out and smoke cigars. But this was kind of the place to be. Uh, it opened, uh, I think, in the 20s and really continued on through the 70s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so a lot of people grew up going there. there. And it's definitely an iconic place in our history. The, uh, you write about the, the Harvey House in Wichita's Union Station. Uh, tell us about that. Yeah, the Harvey House um, is popular in our culture. There was a movie about the Harvey Girls. Uh, an old black and white movie that a lot of people have seen, but it was a restaurant concept started by a man who uh, rode the train across around the country and, um, you know, didn't think the dining options and the train stations were very good. So he started these Harvey house restaurants in train stations and he would have his waitresses wear specific uniforms and they had specific codes of behavior. They were called the Harvey girls and uh, it just kind of grew throughout the country and Wichita briefly had one in our union station um, back long ago. Yeah. That and was, that was, yeah, that was a, a, a right. And the movie was started at Judy Garland, as I recall. Yeah, yeah. that's right. Now, now you write about two national hamburger chains that originated in Wichita. I knew about white castle. I didn't know, did not know that Griff's started here. Well, neither did I until I started doing my research, but yeah, Uh, Apparently, Griff's was also something that started in Wichita and Um, continued to develop across the region. I think um, there's still a couple of Griff's out there somewhere, but not not here. And just like White Castle, they got got started here and left us. Griff's on West Street was uh, the hangout for all those of us who went to West High School in the day. That's where we we parked our cars there when we weren't dragging Douglas. We parked him in the parking lot. I'm so jealous. (laughs) I'm so jealous. I am absolutely, genuinely envious of anyone who got to see these places in real life because for me you know they they seem very important places and, and i can only imagine them so when i meet people who actually went to them i'm incredibly envious that you saw it in real life yep and the carney brothers of course started pizza hut here oh yeah pizza hut's a big part of our history um they started that here the little pizza hut uh building their first one is over on the wsu campus but uh, yeah, the Pizza Hut chain made a lot of people in Wichita really rich before it moved off to de- to Texas. But, um, you know, obviously, Wichita is a good breeding ground for famous places to start. Not yes. only those two you just mentioned, but Freddy's also. Freddy's. So, yeah. yeah. You're listening to Issues 2022 on the Odyssey radio stations. And our guest is Denise Neal, Wichita Eagle reporter and author of book, Classic Restaurants of Wichita. You know, my family... Uh, Denise did not dine out much when I was young. The first time I can remember going out for dinner at my older brother Don's insistence was at Mars Garden on East Harry. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes. And Wichita has a rich history when it comes to Chinese restaurants, hasn't it? 
Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, uh, my research, I learned a lot of interesting things about our our history with Chinese restaurants. And uh, one of the earliest restaurants in Wichita that was popular was a place called um, the Pan American Cafe. Yeah, and yeah. It, opened in the, it, yeah, it opened in the late teens on North Market. And at the time, there were only about, uh, I don't think, 30 Chinese people living in Wichita totally. Yeah. And they were all men, and they all worked at, <laughs> at the Pan American Cafe pretty much. They couldn't bring their wives with them or their families. They came and started their lives in uh, uh, the United States and, and then brought their families. They couldn't bring their families over till much later. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, they they made really interesting food uh it's not the chinese food we're used to today yeah. uh, it was called a china it was they called them chop suey palaces and uh, the <laughs> pan american cafe and holly cafe both had the words chop suey on their signs and right. chop suey was kind of an american creation of yeah. noodles and meats all sauteed and there's nothing chinese about it no uh, you know at all <laughs> but it was kind of a, a dumbed down chinese fare to um appeal to our, uh, to, uh, Kansans unadventuresome palate, but the rest of the menu was like liver and onions and chicken fried steak and right. things like that. But, uh, yeah. And then uh, there's a long history and, and a lot of the Chinese restaurants that opened after that can trace their, um, the people who started them all had kind of roots in the Pan American cafe, but mm. uh, I loved researching your Mars garden. Uh, I spoke to the founders' adult daughters uh, who live don't live in Wichita anymore, but have great memories of that place. And and he's a man, another man who came here and started his restaurant and started his career and wasn't able to bring his little girls to join him in the states until you know they were four and five and six years old. Right. So uh, you know, that's very interesting learning about that. You know, my wife and I have dined out frequently during our marriage, both of us working so and with children. So a lot of times, nobody. It was it was good to get out and go go eat, but I'd like uh, to get your comments on a few of our favorites, if I can. Uh, on our first date, Shelley and I went to Savutes. Oh yeah, Savutes is one of those restaurants that is just keeps on keeping on year after year after year, and it's still there. Uh, I think it's God, it's got to be close to a hundred years old pretty soon. <laughs> Something like that. <laughs> I I should check on that, but. Um, yeah, Savutes was founded um, years ago, and it's been it's now in the ownership of the third generation on North Broadway. It's still going, still serving up the things we remember. And uh, I haven't been there in a few years, but I should get back. I love the little airplane themed uh, bar that's attached to it. The definitely got the model uh, airplanes hanging in there. And, yeah, my uh, my son when he was three years old would get up and study the airplanes and. Uh, uh, and the picture of the airplanes, and they wound up going to the Air Force. So how about that? Uh, oh, really? And the airplane seats in the in, that you can right, sit in in the in bar. The bar. <laughs> you know, for yeah. the for a cozy, romantic atmosphere, then you couldn't beat Portobello Road. You had to go down a little oh, yeah. alleyway to get in there. <laughs> yeah, you did. That was a restaurant that um, eventually kind of succumbed to Kellogg construction, as many restaurants on Kellogg did over the years. Um, Portobello road was a very fancy place. It took, there was a restaurant there initially called Elizabeth. And when it closed, the owners, uh, new owners took it over and turned it into Portobello road, which has kind of an English tavern feel and was dark and romantic and had kind of expensive food for the day. But that restaurant has kind of bubbled up in my consciousness again over the past (laughs) few uh, months. I don't know if you, if any of you saw my stories I wrote, but the original Portobello road sign, 
that was hung outside the restaurant uh, resurfaced at an estate sale last month. Mm. And that was very exciting for me to see that in real life. And uh, the uh, Kansas, the Historic Preservation Alliance of Wichita and Sedgwick County was able to purchase that sign. And they also found the back half of it. So they now own it. And all of that Portobello research, uh, Portobello Road research led me to find a collection of original Portobello Road dishes with the name imprinted on them that I now that I now own wow. and that are my most prized possessions. Yes. <laughs> you know, uh, Shelly, yeah, we enjoyed uh, about this stuff. Yeah. We enjoyed uh, many evenings at, at a place called the hatch cover who, by the way, they had a prime rib that I one night I said, I'll bet I can cut this with a fork, which I did. Like I was cutting a piece of cake. The hatch cover was one of my favorites. Oh yeah. The hatch cover. I, I didn't know much about the hatch cover until I started researching it, but this one really captured my imagination. You know, I was born in the seventies and grew up watching three's company. And so I'm, it's very, I'm, I romanticized that time period, you know, and the hatch cover was where Quan court eventually ended up. It's now a dental office over there on rock road, right. but uh, next door to the uh, racket club and yep. people would uh, go to the racket club and play tennis and then come over in their yuppie outfits and lean against the brass bar at the hatch cover and have cocktails. Um, yeah, that, that sounded like it was a really cool place. And, and they had a, um, a three piece combo on the weekends at uh, playing this light jazz music. I'm drinking a martini and just nothing could be better. You know? <laughs> well, the hatch cover is one of those restaurants, Steve, that I got, became very, you know, I, I became built it up in my head a lot while I was researching it. And then I was actually able to find a, two photos from the interior in the deep in the Eagles archives. And it, I was so excited I almost cried <laughs> because I, I was able to actually see it with my own eyes. You know, and uh, yeah, Denise, when I think of uh, I think of white tablecloths every time I think about the the olive tree, which uh, the original I believe was on was the one on Kellogg near the near the motel. Uh, the olive mm-hmm. tree, olive tree was a nice place to, to dine as well. Yes, it absolutely was, and that was kind of the beginning of Antoine Tobia's career. Yeah. And if, if those who know about the dining scene know that Antoine was a Lebanese immigrant who started the Olive Tree, and then he went on to, to found many other restaurants that were pretty influential, Cafe Chantilly. Eventually, is he had a Latour restaurant group. They had Piccadilly. Uh yeah. <laughs> that was awkward. Sorry about the sneeze. Yeah. They had Piccadilly, and eventually he moved the Olive Tree to a pretty fine dining establishment at Rock and 29. Right, but, right. Uh, he was very influential in our dining scene. Uh, he kind of is the person credited with um, introducing sort of what they call continental dining to Wichita, where we moved beyond our, you know, uh, liver and onions and fried chicken and uh, potato menus. And he introduced us to kind of, you know, complex proteins with sauces and you know more sophisticated presentations and kind of ushered in this finer dining um era that we all are able to enjoy today so he's pretty influential yeah i'm almost out of time Uh, we still enjoy a new way uh usually with a with a cup of chili for me oh yeah (laughs) new way is great and and, uh, the new way is so fascinating to me because the original building is still there and there's it's the oldest still operating restaurant that's in the same building where it opened. There's oh, nothing older that's still operating in the same space. And I just find that fascinating. Yeah. On West Douglas, a little old house. Down yeah. There. Yeah. Hey, listen, yeah. Uh, Denise, what makes for, a, in your opinion, what makes for a, a really fine dining experience? 
Well, uh, I, you know, I don't know. That's a good question. Uh, to me, it's, I, I need a good atmosphere, uh, great service, uh, good food that's consistent. And some, some restaurants are able to pull that off for years and years. Some, some aren't. But, um, you know, those are the things that go into it for me. The, uh, we can't mention every restaurant in Denise's book today. There's, there's so many good ones, so many great ones. But uh, if, if you're interested and you've listened to the show today, uh, you might want to pick up a copy and check it out. I think I'm going to use it as a, as one, of, one of those things that uh, at Christmas time, there are certain people that, that have lived here that have gone away and, and, uh, and have memories about what you're talking about. This is, this is a book that will lock right in there. Uh, oh, yeah. You're talking about these restaurants. Yeah. And at, last Christmas, I was doing some pretty brisk business of people that wanted to sell, send the book to other people. And by the way, um, if you want an autographed copy, I still have some of my own that you can contact me at my eagle address, dneal, N-E-I-L, at wichitaeagle.com. And they also have copies at Watermark and uh, Barnes & Noble. Well, you can... Oh, not Barnes & Noble, Borders. Duh, God, no, that's right. <laughs> Okay. Well, listen, uh, you can send Barnes me an autographed coffee if you want to, but I'd really like to have a couple of dishes there from Portobello Road. That's what I want to have. Uh, you and everybody else, Steve. Get mine. Oh, wow. How many, how, many piece, <laughs> how many pieces are there, then, that you have? Well, I haven't counted. I got a stack of about, uh, I think I got about 18 plates, and I gave some of them to Greg with the... His, uh, historical Preservation Alliance because I thought he needed to have some to go with the sign. But yeah, I'm thinking about having a Portobello Road themed dinner party, you know, and oh, hey. looking at the old menu and making maybe serving some steak au poivre or something. That sounds like a lot of fun. Think you're gonna, <laughs> do you think you're going to write any more books, uh, Denise? You know, uh, the, the publisher is interested in a follow-up because as, as many, I got about 100 restaurants in here, but uh, as I've been out promoting the book and talking to people, they've told me about 200 more that I missed. So <laughs> I think I could I could probably do 10 volumes, but I, I'm going to try for another volume here in the next couple of years. So you got 100 in there, huh? Or more? Wow. About 100, yeah. All right. All right well, so we want to uh, thank you for being with us this morning. I, I'm, I'm a big history buff, and you know, it goes beyond uh, Civil War. I read about all the time. World War II. uh uh, th- these are the things, or be- personalities as well, but I'm very much a history buff, love to go to the museums, uh, and I don't know, the, uh, I don't know that a lot of people are interested, like, I don't know, where, where did you get your interest in history, from Dodge City? Well, I, I don't know, my my interest in history kind of developed as, a, as I got older, um, and, you know, these are two things that really interest me, history and restaurants, like, combines two of my favorite things, but I think what really got me going is uh, about 20 years ago, I moved into a uh, house in Delano that was built in 1908. And so I live in a 110-plus-year-old house. And just learning about my neighborhood and the people that lived in my house before I did. And and then I've always loved old pictures of Wichita that show what was there before we were here. And it's just developed over time into kind of a, a passion. I think that happens to a lot of us. Yeah. Hey, listen, thanks for being with us. We appreciate it. Our guest is uh, Denise Neal, uh, Wichita Eagle reporter and author of book Classic Restaurants of Wichita. And uh, it's been it's been fun. So many restaurants and and you've you've featured over 100. You've done a great job. We appreciate your book. Thank you uh, for being with us. Well, I could talk to you for 16 more hours about this. Don't have time. (laughs) All right. That's all for this edition of Issues 2022. We'll be back next week. Thank you for listening. I'm Steve McIntosh.